It is good to be back with you on this Tuesday morning, October 4th. So we celebrate one of my earliest patron saints, St. Francis of Assisi, today. Here on Roadmap to Heaven, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to discuss. So let's get down to business on this beautiful Tuesday morning. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it was very good to be in uh, Birmingham last week, or not Birmingham, Phoenix, Arizona, but with a bunch of folks from Birmingham. I'm already thinking ahead to next time at the EWTN Catholic Radio Conference. Uh, It was happy to pray for you on Thursday as we made our retreat at the beautiful uh, monastery out in Tonopah, Missouri, uh, Arizona. It was just gorgeous. It was 100 degrees, but... It didn't, you know, it didn't feel like it once that breeze kept blowing. Uh, we were at the Our Lady of Solitude Chapel in Tonopah, Arizona, with the Poor Claire Nuns of Perpetual Adoration, an order started by Mother Angelica. And we had uh, Mass, we had Adoration, we had Confession, we prayed the Rosary, we prayed the Chaplet together. Um, we had all sorts of time for conversation with one another and, you know, hearing the good things that are happening in Catholic radio across the country and sharing the good things that are happening right here. One particular, one particular thing jumps out at me this morning. If I can talk today, this is what happens when you go away. You get used to not doing a radio show and then you come back. I was reading a book um, on St. Therese, the little flower who we celebrated on Saturday And it was a book written by Venerable Servant of God, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. He is talking about how St. Therese pledged that when she died and God willing got to heaven, she wasn't going to rest like so many of the saints are are thought to do, you know, and that's a big question mark. She made this commitment. She said, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to rest. I'm going to work. And what she was talking about was interceding for you and for I and praying for souls And in commenting on this, Archbishop Sheen said something that I thought was so striking. He said, put her to work. Don't let her rest. And it was a great reminder for me, you know, do we go to the saints? Do we ask their intercession as we try to live our daily lives? Uh, St. Therese, the little flower, the little way, is where we get this great reminder that it doesn't really matter what you do in life compared to what I do. You know, I may be on the radio, you may be where you are, that just because I'm on Catholic radio doesn't make me any holier than you are. We're both striving to be holy, and we are both called to be holy wherever we are. So no matter what you're doing today, whether you're at home, in the car, on your way to work, dropping the kids off at school, on your way to Mass, retired, widowed, widower, single, not yet to be married, hoping to be married someday, parent, not a parent, whatever you are in life, you're called to be holy today, and you're going to need some help. So go to St. Therese. Ask her to intercede for you. Ask her to pray for you because she said she wants to do it, and as Fulton, she'd reminded us, put her to work. 
On the show today, we're going to talk about St. Francis of Assisi with a Franciscan sister. We are also going to uh, bring you an on-the-road segment from my time down in Phoenix at the Catholic Radio Conference. Uh, I was able to sit down with Dr. David Anders, host of Call to Communion. And, you know, I asked him a question about baptism, something I've been wondering lately And then finally, we're going to visit with uh, Father Jeffrey Kirby today. It is the month of October, and you know that we're going to talk about the rosary here on Roadmap to Heaven because, well, we're all about the rosary. So we're we're going to visit with him and revisit the importance of praying the rosary in this month of October. All of that is ahead. Let's go now to Mike Roberts. Today is the memorial of St. Francis of Assisi. Born in central Italy in 1181, Francesco Bernardini was born into privilege and grew up surrounded by all the trappings of the family's place in society. As a young man, he was handsome, smart, and witty, but Francis had a conversion. Actually, he had several, and the last occurred when he was selling fine cloth in the marketplace while working for his father. When he was approached by a beggar, he was so moved he gave the beggar all his money, all the money he had and his father's from his father's business, which enraged his father and abused his friends. Francis felt called to prayer, deep and lengthy prayer. And he heard the Lord say to him, Francis, everything you have loved and desired, it is your duty to hate and despise if you wish to know my will. So Francis took all of his possessions, gave them to his father who was demanding repayment, and then went begging door to door for the poor. And he would do this for the rest of his life. To many, and for quite a while, Francis was considered a religious fanatic, and yet he began to attract followers. He did not intend to start a new community, but soon he had so many followers there was no other choice. Francis was a great preacher, and he knew he was called to preach about the suffering of others and to celebrate all of God's creation. But he also yearned for prayer and contemplation. Near the end of his life, he was given the stigmata. He died at the age of just 44. Pope Francis said he chose that name after being elected when Cardinal Vladio Humus said to him, don't forget the poor. The Lord also said to St. Francis, Francis, go out and build up my house for it is nearly falling town. At a time when our church is under attack and so many in the world are without homes, when even the planet we live on is suffering, let us all pray for the intentions of our Holy Father. St. Francis of Assisi, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Well, today is the feast of St. Francis of Assisi, and having grown up at St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Oakville, it's always a, a fond memory for me, and I think back to this image of St. Francis that we had on all of our school sweatshirts, and it was on the outside of the building, and it was a silhouette of St. Francis, and he's holding up his hand, and there on his finger perched is a little bird. Until the Athletic Association got a hold of it, then they removed the bird and put a spinning basketball, (laughs) which I thought was pretty cool. But, um, you know, for many of us, that is our idea of St. Francis. We think of the birds and brother, son, sister, moon. However, there's a lot more to St. Francis, and so... Here to help us break open this great saint, we thought let's let's bring in a Franciscan. We're always happy to have with us Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. Sister, so good to be with you today. Great to be back, and happy feast day. Right. So, so favorite thing about St. Francis? Oh, gosh. Um, so there's so much I could say. I think 
that my my favorite thing probably is his love for the passion of Christ. If I could boil down Francis to one word, it would be passion. So not birds. Definitely not birds. Yeah, the people who think that that Francis is all like bird bath, pet blessing, and tree hugging, they got it wrong. It's actually the crib, the cross, and the Eucharist are the three hallmarks of Franciscan spirituality, and the place that every Franciscan finds him or herself really at the most for the most part, like praying. So, uh, but of those three, the cross for me and and Francis's love for the passion really has my attention. And um, but not only his love for the passion, but the passionate way with which he lived his life. Wow. All right. So. Where, though, if, if we're going to talk about the crib, the cross, and the passion, when so many people think of the birds and, and, and the, the sun and the moon and the stars and all of creation, where does that come from? I mean, it's real. It's not that Francis didn't have a great love for creation, but I think the reason that Francis had a love for creation is different than our um, contemporaries may want to imagine. The reason that Francis had a love for creation was because he recognized that God was father of all, that God was creator of all. And so his reverence for creation has little to do with creation itself and so much more to do with the creator. He's always pointing us in that direction. Even even the canticle of brother's son, right? The heavens are telling the glory of God. There's lots of different musical settings of it, of course. Um, but but really, the heart of the prayer is, praised be you, my Lord, especially in brother's son. Praised be you, my Lord, especially in all these elements of creation, right? It's, it's all directed towards God. You know, someone asked me one time, what's the greatest piece of art you've ever seen? The greatest masterpiece? And I, I actually thought back to the first float trip I ever went on. It was on the Current River in southeast Missouri, and the tr- we were we were kind of it's not really a canyon because I mean I, it, how deep does it have to be to be a canyon? We're talking maybe twenty foot rock faces on either side, not much. And then there were trees above those, and there was a canopy of trees above us, and the water was flowing. And you, I, I mean, I can hear the water now. I can smell the water. I can see it, and it was beautiful. And I said that that was a beautiful work of art that that God painted. You know, God put that together right there, and and that's where I love. St. Francis and his love for God through creation. But you're right. we got to get to the, the crib, the cross, and the Eucharist. And, the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. and that's an important thing. The, you know, the other thing I think of San Damiano, sure. and, and of course we watched the movie about St. Francis when we were in seventh grade religion class. Francis go and rebuild my church, and he goes and gets some rocks and some bricks. And it's like, actually, I, I meant the, uh, the church as uh, a living community, but that's good too. The rocks well, are good too. It's a good starting place, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, so, so when we talk about the the crib, the cross, and the Eucharist, why is that? Why did he have such a profound love for those? Mm. Yeah, I think so. Francis was a very tangible kind of guy. Like everything was, you could touch it, you could taste it, you could feel it. That's the way that he grew up with his, the flashy clothing of his father, who was a wealthy cloth merchant and, and very wealthy. And I'm sure he had very sumptuous foods and whatnot in his life. But all those things that he could touch and taste and feel, the crib, the cross, and the Eucharist are the three places where we can really, like Jesus comes to touch us. We could taste him even in the Eucharist, right? And and to feel. Like he feels the nails being driven through his hands. He feels all of those things. So it's very fleshy. And that's the essence of Franciscan spirituality in that regard, the incarnational aspect. So, um, Greccio, right? Christmas at Greccio, that he wants to create for the people at Greccio who go to celebrate Christmas Mass a very tangible expression of the reality of the Incarnation. So he brings in the ox and the ass, and they have a grand old time, and uh, he, they say that, that there was a vision of him holding an actual infant at the moment of consecration, right? So just the beauty of that. Or the Stations of the Cross devotion is a very Franciscan devotion, a follower of Francis, Leonard of Port Morris. Or he's the one who brought us that devotion. And at the time... Reservation of the Blessed Sacrament was not something that was widespread, but Francis really like recommended the beautiful prayer that people sometimes pray when they pass by a church. We adore you, O Christ, here in all your churches throughout the world, and we bless you because by your holy cross you redeem the world. Very Franciscan prayer. 
uh, much more than the peace prayer, by the way. That's a much more Franciscan prayer to, to have that little adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Now, when we talk about the cross and St. Francis, one thing we should remember is that for him, his lived experience, we want to talk about tangible oh. with the passion of our Lord, is something that, that you know, still, it, it always baffles my mind, and that's the stigmata. Yes. Yeah, we celebrated the Feast of the Stigmata in mid-September, September 17th. So as it, as it goes, Francis was preparing for the Feast of St. Michael the Archangel through a 40-day fast. And in the midst of that prayer, he prayed that he would be able to experience the kind of love that Jesus experienced when he was dying on the cross. And in that moment, as Francis experienced that love exploding in his heart, he also experienced the pain of the crucifixion and the wounds of the, of the Passion as well. I can only imagine what his reaction to that was. Because, I mean, I often tell people, be careful how you phrase your prayers to God, because God will sometimes give you exactly what you're asking for. Lord, help me to share in the love that you had on the cross. Well, then we're going to share in the cross. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. That is not a bad thing. Right, but I think the beauty of who Francis is is that he also lived the joy in the cross. So Franciscan joy is also, it's kind of a hallmark of, of Franciscans. And, and I, I experience that in Franciscans that I meet from all over the world and from all different communities. Like that is a, a real common denominator. There's a real joy and a joy that's united to the cross, that they don't have to be separate. Now, some 2,000 years after the cross, we still get to participate in the sacrifice on Calvary every day with the sacrifice of the Mass. And that was a great love for St. Francis. You mentioned the, the, the prayer as you pass by the church, and the prayer I think of when we pray the Stations of the Cross. Again, another Franciscan thing. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. Um, how, can we, how can we take these lessons? You know, and, and, and by all means, today, go out and enjoy creation, and take your pets to the pet blessing if, if that's sure. going on. Do all of these things. These are not bad things, but take it to the next level, to the crib, the cross, and the Eucharist. How can we live Franciscan spirituality in our everyday lives starting today? Yeah, so I think other hallmarks of Franciscan spirituality, and in addition to the joy, the, the perfect joy of Francis, there's, a, the, of course, the beautiful story of him and Brother Leo. And Brother Leo says, what is perfect joy? And Francis says, write this down. And he goes through all these different things, and it ends up with them getting beat up and left for dead. And he's like, that's perfect joy. <laughs> I was like, that's not perfect joy to me. But Francis... Francis gets it. Um, so perfect joy, but also humility and poverty. So people, you know, St. Therese is a little way, of course, and we celebrate her in October as well. But St. Francis actually, I think in some ways, was living the little way before Therese and the, the way that he lived poverty and the way that he recognized poverty and spirit to be so important. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of quotes that are attributed to him that are not necessarily what he said, but he did say this. He said, blessed is the servant who esteems himself no better when he is praised and exalted by people than when he is considered worthless, simple, and despicable. For what man is before God, that he is and nothing more. Well, Sister, I can't thank you enough for giving us a little insight into St. Francis today, more than just birds and spinning basketballs on the, the silhouette that I grew up with. Friends, go out there, celebrate the day, look for God in the beauty of all creation. And uh, I think we should close with a prayer, sister. Yes, I'd like to close with one of my favorite Franciscan prayers. Um, I love his prayer before the crucifix, to pray for God's will as a vocation director, very important. But my favorite Franciscan prayer is called the Absorbiat. Um, so I'd like to close with that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May the power of your love, O Lord, fiery and sweet as honey, wean my heart from all that is under heaven, so that I may die for love of your love, you who were so good as to die for love of my love. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Francis. Pray for us. We are going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. 
Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. You know, I don't think we've said it enough, nor do I think we could say it enough. It's important to pray the rosary each and every day. And this month of October is especially a great reminder for us of that. It is the month of the rosary. And we're happy to be speaking once again with Father Jeffrey Kirby, pastor of Our Lady of Grace in Indian Land, South Carolina. Father, it's good to have you back with us today. Thank you, Adam. Good to be on the show. So we all know at least the regular listeners of this show should know, because it's going to be on the test, that Our Lady gave the rosary to St. Dominic at a time that he was out preaching against the Albigensian heresy. And no matter how many times the devil's tried to quash the rosary, the rosary stays with us. It keeps coming back again and again, which I think should be the first flag that, hey, Heaven's telling us this is important. But why is it? I mean, I can't remember the last time I ran into an Albigensian, Father. <laughs> well, first, let's run with that, the fact that it was successful. The fact that those who had fallen into disbelief or false belief, it was a rosary that brought them back to biblical faith. But I think that the rosary can be helpful in many respects. First, it's the prayer for, if we apply it to today's world, it's the prayer of the busy person. Oftentimes in my parish duties, I'm here, I'm there, I'm, I'm listening to this person, I'm listening to that person. And in the hustle and bustle, even as a priest, I can forget to pray. But I have the rosary in my pocket. I just put my hand in my pocket. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And those beads just remind me, hey, prayer is important. Like, make sure God's a part of this. And so sometimes just doing a few beads, even if it's not a full decade, just Hail Mary, full of grace. And it just kind of brings us back to prayer. So the rosary is important because it leads us to prayer and it can help us to get closer to the Lord. Father, one of my favorite things about the rosary, and amen to everything you just said, is that the rosary also on those busy, busy days where I might forget to take that time to really focus in prayer, the rosary actually stops me and slows me down. And I find that some of my most fruitful rosaries where the Lord blesses me with consolation are on the days where I think I'm too busy to stop what I'm doing and pray the rosary. And, you know, someone in the office here will say, do you want to pray the rosary? I'm like, ah, I don't know. I, I got all this to do. If I say, you know what, put that on the back burner, go pray the rosary first. Those are the best rosaries. Yes, exactly. And we have to believe in God's providence that he's opening up that window where we can keep doing the busy, 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 and, and we begin to lose our, our minds and hearts and they're distracted or that window he gives us through the rosary, that invitation to, to take a pause, to receive the grace we need to do our duties well. So it's not like we're slacking off or anything. It's Sometimes it's by taking that moment of prayer, by accepting the invitation to pray the rosary, we're receiving the grace to then come back to our duties with renewed vigor. I think of the person, you know, who's you know, the boxer who's in the ring and boxing, 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 and then the bell rings and they go to the corner and they get their, their wounds healed and they get some water and they get some encouragement. That's kind of like prayer time. That's like the rosary. <laughs> We're in the ring fighting and trying to get things done, and there's that bell, that invitation to prayer. And, and we can say, gosh, yeah, I, I need that. I, I, I'm so distracted. I don't want to do that, but yeah, that's what I need, and I'm going to take that time in the corner to, to get rejuvenated. Uh, we can accept that, and then we come back, and we're able to fight even more. 
or we can th- keep thinking we can do it. We ignore the bell. We don't accept the invitation to prayer. And <laughs> so we end up getting knocked out, right? Indeed. You know, I think these are all so many great reasons for us to pray the rosary. It's a great example of how God is not outdone uh, in generosity that, you know, here we go to honor our Lord's Blessed Mother. Here we go to, really to give glory to the Trinity. We pray the glory be 11 times to pray that the Father's will would be done. We pray the Our Father 11 times. We profess our faith with the creed and 53 times we go to the Blessed Mother, we honor her, and as uh, Fulton Sheen would say, we do what our Lord would want us to do. He honors his mother, so if we want to be like Jesus, we should honor his mother, and yet in that, she then promises to pray for us when we pray the rosary, when she's asked us to pray the rosary, that 53 times we are begging her intercession both now and at the hour of our death. And if we didn't pray that rosary, I mean, I do the math sometimes, how many extra prayers I would be missing out on if I didn't stop to pray the rosary every day. But those are two really important things. Let's start with God and his will and his glory, that just the efficacy of praying that Our Father and praying that glory be 11 times throughout the rosary each day, what does that do for us? Yeah, so we know every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, of course, we're praying again the words that the Lord himself has given to us, and we're able to draw closer to the Lord. And the Lord's Prayer is powerful because not only is it itself a prayer, it's the template, the the structure of of all other prayer. So every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are basically training our souls. We're teaching our souls, okay, this is how you're supposed to pray. So when we want to pray, hey, maybe I'll win the lottery and get several million dollars, and so on, we, we want to pray like that, right? And Sometimes we can begin to pray like that, but then our prayer gets matured and gets formed. And one of the ways that the Lord does that, that He's helped us, is by giving us the Lord's Prayer. So by praying that as part of the rosary, it structures and orders our prayer. And also we know in terms of the spiritual life that whenever we pray the Lord's Prayer, the three virtues that we receive at baptism, faith, hope, and love, are automatically rejuvenated and re-inflamed every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, because it's those three virtues that help us draw closer to God. And in terms of the Gloria, the Glory Be, when we're praying that, I mean, there's no better posture, no more human act of the human being than to praise and glorify God. And so, again, we're teaching our souls, raising our souls in order to glorify God. Now, Adam, the sad part is we can drag our souls to the mud, and they will go along with it. We can teach our souls to obey every whim and passion and be almost one step above an animal by instinct. But we can train our souls and allow grace to work, and and the rosary is a huge resource for this, a huge means, a gift given to us. We can raise our souls, and our souls begin to desire divine things, virtue, holiness, the presence of God. And so we decide with these decisions. And so the Lord's Prayer, the Glory Be, the Hail Mary, powerful prayer of the rosary given from Our Lady to us is a great help in terms of drawing closer to God and raising our souls to encounter and to praise God. I don't want to put words in the mouth of your mother or my mother, but I imagine if we got both of them on the line right now, Father, they would both say the same thing for us. They they both want the best for us. And so it is with our Heavenly Mother. She wants the best for us. She wants us to go to heaven when we die. She wants us to become saints, nothing less than that. And so the power of her intercession— You know, how could her son refuse? I think St. Louis de Montfort uses that beautiful analogy of you and I could offer our Lord an apple, but if we offer it through her intercession, it's the most beautiful apple on the most beautiful silver platter, and how could her son refuse so precious 
a gift in this time of spiritual warfare that we live in our lives. Going to the Blessed Mother 53 times with the rosary and saying, please pray for me now and at the hour of our death. I can only imagine that there is so much grace from drawing near to her, because I, every time I try to imagine it, it comes up short. But I wonder if we could speak about that for just a moment. The, the power of asking the Blessed Mother for her prayer, both right now, as I'm trying to live life today, and at the hour of my death, which I don't know. It could be today. It could be 80 years from now. I don't know. Yes, very powerful. And you can imagine all the things in our day today, the, the duties, responsibilities, the struggles, uh, the temptations, all things that we might have in our life. And Our Lady invites us to turn to her and that maternal protection, maternal care. And, of course, she redirects everything in order for us to have a more fuller and, and richer encounter with the Lord Jesus. So I think definitely the, the praying now to turn to Our Lady and say, you know, help me in the midst of these struggles and difficulties. And also, you know, we oftentimes forget, and I'm, I'm glad you're highlighting, that in the Hail Mary, we ask Our Lady to remember us and to pray for us at the hour of our death. And, and sometimes for a non-Catholic, when they hear us teaching seven-year-olds the Hail Mary, and, and they're praying for the hour of their death, you know, they could be a little caught off guard, like, why are you teaching these children these prayers, right? And, well, because the grace of final perseverance is very important, which means to keep the faith until the end. I can tell you, Adam, as, as a priest, being at the deathbed of many, I, I've seen glorious and holy deaths, and I've seen what, what is oftentimes called the death agony, which is when the person dies in immense fear or extreme anger. And I'll tell you, it's the closest thing to hell I've ever been to in my life. It, it has at times provoked fear in me where I've had to go and say a few prayers of deliverance, because the hour of death is a powerful moment. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us it's our last gift to our Lord, and the devil works hard to get us, to distract us, to make us doubt, to fill us with fear. And so from the time we can, from the age of reason, we're asking Our Lady to be there at that moment, you know, to, to kick the devil to the side and to grant us the consolation in order to have that confidence and trust as we pass into eternity. It's a sobering reminder for us that no matter how many rosaries we pray, no matter how many good works we do, no matter how many acts of charity, how many novenas, how many hours we spend in Eucharistic adoration, if we die in a state of unrepentant mortal sin, we know the outcome that comes after death. And so to pray for that grace of final perseverance, that we would always draw near to our Lord, that we would always run to him if we do find ourselves in a state of mortal sin, that we would run to him not just out of fear of hell, but out of love for him, that we would want to repair that relationship. And the Blessed Mother, she wants the exact same thing for us. So asking her to intercede for us that we might get that grace to draw closer to her son and away from sin— I don't see how she could refuse that request, and I don't see how her son could refuse that request. Well, Father Kirby, I want to thank you for helping us uh, keep in mind as we begin this month of October the importance of the Holy Rosary. Normally I would ask for your prayer and a blessing, but maybe before the blessing we could pray a Hail Mary together. I think it would be great. Let us pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven, and we want to thank Father Jeffrey Kirby for being with us once again. Stay tuned. Are you enjoying this podcast? 
Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. We are on the road at the EWTN Catholic Radio Conference, and I'm happy to be sitting down with a man whose voice you know every weekday here on our airwaves at 1 p.m. That's Dr. David Anders from Call to Communion. Dr. Anders, it's good to be with you today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. What a wonderful conference we're having so far, and, and a great time to grow closer to our Lord. I, I'm having a great time. We had a, a retreat yesterday out in the desert. At a, uh, literally. Of, out in the desert, literally. <laughs> you know, I, I, I took a picture next to about a 30-foot cactus. We don't have those in Alabama. Uh, at Our Lady of Solitude uh, Monastery. So that was delightful till our bus broke down on the way back. But, you know, we made it. Beggars can't be choosers. Beggars can't be choosers, exactly. Well, Dr. Anders, we always enjoy the insights you bring to our airwaves with the questions um, everyone calls in and asks. And I actually had a very specific one for you today. It's something I've noticed as more and more of my friends have left the Catholic Church, sadly, and gone to some of the evangelical churches in the area, the question of baptism comes up, and it's why do Catholics baptize infants when a lot of the evangelical churches specifically say, we will not baptize infants, we want adults to make the choice. Even without that, more and more people in our society say, well, I don't want to make the choice for my kid either. I'd like them to grow up and make their choice. So I guess that's the question today. Why do we do that as Catholics? Why do we baptize infants? Sure. So there are several things I want to say about that. First of all, the Scripture tells us to, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached at Pentecost and the people came to him and said, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the promises for you and for your children, and for your children. And so Acts chapter 16, Paul baptizes the Philippian jailer and his children. His whole household is baptized along with him. And this is in accord with the Jewish sensibility, which saw the the covenant of Abraham as something that's not just open to discrete atomic individuals, but but to people groups, to their families, to their heritage, which is why the sign of circumcision was applied to the children uh, of the covenant. They don't have any conscious participation in this. It's something they grow up within and they're nurtured. And so both in the old covenant and the new, this is the, this is the idea. You know, that if, if the circumcision was a sign that God would give grace to the children of Abraham, and the reality, of course, comes in Christian sacraments, uh, and the sign was applied to children, I mean, is the point of the new covenant to restrict the flow of grace or to expand it? Well, it's, it's to expand it, not to restrict it. And so if God didn't withhold the sign from, from Old Covenant believers, why would he withhold the reality from the children of New Covenant believers? Jesus himself said, don't hinder the little children, but let them come unto me, for to such of these is the kingdom of heaven. So we have a scriptural warrant for the thing. I mean, what baptism accomplishes is it washes away original sin, fills with sanctifying grace, makes us members of Christ's body, the church, and priests, according to the baptismal priesthood, that we can offer our lives to him. And offer our bodies in living sacrifices, St. Paul says. This is our spiritual act of worship. So why would you want to deprive your child of all those good things and let them grow up in the care and the nurture of the church? Now, on this point about waiting until kids are, you know, the age of reason or they can understand or they can make a rational choice, I would say that that radically misunderstands the, the, the nature of moral, the moral development of a person. I mean, imagine if my parents said to me, 
uh, you know, we're going to, you know, put some Bibles out and some catechisms lying around the house, but we're also going to throw out a bunch of pornography and R-rated movies and, uh, and, you know, say radical political literature. And you just explore freely and look around and make up your own minds about what you want to get. And when you turn, say, maybe 12 years old, then we'll bring you to, like, our concrete particular view of the faith and present that to you as an option. But by that time, you'll have developed morally enough as a person that you can make an informed choice. That would be insane. That would be insane. Because the, the choice for or against morality or for or against faith is not a purely detached sort of rational deliberative decision. It's made in the context of a life that's been formed with a certain kind of sensibility and habits of say, saying no to vice and to the vicissitudes and the vanities of my own imagination and learning to control my behavior and to respect other people and to expect the value of community and, of, uh, and, and the dignity of the human person. Those are things that are not so much uh, taught as they are caught and learned by habituation. And so there's a, not only is there a biblical warrant, but there's a logic to the idea of baptism in infancy and being brought up in the nurture of the church and the knowledge that one is a member of a community and a child of God from infancy, so that that sensibility, uh, not only sort of the reasons for faith, but the, but the, uh, uh, you know, but the emotional, affective, imaginative elements of the human person, which are really the context in which faith happens, that those develop uh, as the child grows. So their capacity to make moral choices is fully developed by the time they come. Well, not fully developed, but it's developing along with their rationality and their ability to understand. I'd also add that the idea that we can make this sort of fully uh, uh, independent, rationally deliberative, objective view of the truth once we have all the facts is, is fallacious. It's a fiction. Like, none of us is ever in that position. Like, I'm... 52 years old, and I'm, I still don't have possession of all the facts, right? Faith is a gift. Faith is not something that I come to utterly dispassionately from the outside. Faith is something that, I, that is given to me by the grace of God, mediated through instruments. And the first of those instruments are, of course, my parents and, and the church of my childhood. Since we have the opportunity to sit down with you, an, another question I wanted to ask is in the broader picture, because a lot of a lot of people call into the show and ask you questions. They call into Open Line. They call into Catholic Answers. It's a very common thing for people to have questions. And one theme that's become very apparent as we've been gathered here for this retreat and conference is that right now the world needs the truth more than ever. Um, so I want to ask, before we conclude, what would you say to our listeners who are saying, well, I'm not... I don't know, why should I study the faith more? I mean, I go to Mass, I practice my faith, I pray. Why do I need to study the catechism or study the faith more? Right. Well, I, I, first of all, I think that far more important than an intellectual grasp of Catholic doctrine, although that can be very helpful, is a deep lived experience of the presence of Christ and the conformity of my life to His. Right? Ultimately, we're not saved by knowledge of the catechism, we're saved by charity, by the conformity of our life to Jesus. And it is possible to have a deep intellectual knowledge of the faith and not to live in the state of grace and not to live charitably and to become an offense to the cause of Christ. So I, I don't actually think that it is the vocation of every Catholic person to become an expert in Catholic doctrine. I don't believe that. Peter tells us that we have to have reasons for the faith that is in us, but those reasons need not be exclusively academic uh, or, or, or doctrinal in form, right? And depending on the character of the individual in question, 
um, it's just as legitimate for someone to bear witness to their experience of Christ in their interior life or say, you know, in the charity of a Mother Teresa or in the kindness they receive from a priest in the confessional or something like that. Those are, those are also perfectly legitimate reasons to come to faith, even as the ability to clearly articulate Catholic doctrine also gives cogency and intelligibility to the faith. So I just want to make that point clear. Um, but uh, all of us, to one extent or another, uh, participate in, in the rationality of God and uh, the act of faith is not contrary to reason, and our minds crave intelligibility and coherence, and so when we're given a faith to believe, when we're offered articles of faith to assert, and we don't understand how those things cohere rationally, and particularly how they cohere with our experience of the world, it creates cognitive dissonance in us and other people uh, that can become a motive for disbelief. And so a proper understanding of the faith and a knowledge of how to, how to defend it and how to interpret it and how to, uh, 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 how to reconcile it with the contradictions of the modern world is very helpful for having a mature, satisfying, and intellectually satisfying faith that we can present to others. But that's clearly not the only mode of evangelization or of, uh, or of reasons to believe. Well, Dr. Anders, I want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. If you want to hear more from Dr. David Anders, tune into EWTN's Call to Communion, which you can hear every weekday here on Covenant Network at 1 p.m. We're going to take a break. We'll be back after this. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. Here's a question for you. In fact, here's a catechist question for you on this Tuesday morning, October 4th. Uh, we heard about St. Francis earlier and his receiving the stigmata, the wounds of Christ in his own flesh. I'm going to name three Franciscans, three other Franciscans, and I want to ask, this is your catechist question, which of the following three also received the stigmata? Three Franciscans. Here you go. St. Anthony of Padua. St. Pio of Pietroclina, and St. Maximilian Kolbe. Those are your three choices. St. Anthony of Padua, St. Pio of Pietroclina, and St. Maximilian Kolbe. Which of the three of those also, who of the three of those, I should say, also received the stigmata? Do you know? Do you know the answer on that one? Um, it could be a, uh, a multiple choice, it could be one of those both A and C, A and B, but it's actually only B, St. Pio of Pietroclina. Um, Tony's listening, and Tony just texted me with the correct answer. So, Tony, uh, I don't know what prize you win, but, you know, you, you win my affection in your heart for having the right answer this morning. But, yes, uh, Padre Pio received the stigmata on September 20th, 1918, while making his Thanksgiving after Mass. And as a result of this, there were many that doubted the authenticity of it, and that was when uh, he was not no longer permitted to say Mass publicly or to hear confessions. Here's one of my favorite things about uh, St. 
Pio of Pietraclina. Padre Pio, upon getting this news that he was no longer going to be allowed to say mass publicly or hear confessions, didn't gripe, didn't start a campaign against his superiors, didn't cry injustice, injustice, injustice. He humbly obeyed. He humbly obeyed. Later, that decision was reversed, and he was allowed to say mass publicly and uh, hear confessions again. But Never without complaint. How often do you and I do that? That something happens that we perceive as an injustice against us. And we complain and we gripe and we sound off on social media. Can you believe this? We text all of our friends. You're not going to believe what happened to me. Maybe our spouse comes home or we come home and see our spouse. Can you believe what happened today? You know, all of these things. Or we, we, we go to a friend, whatever it may be. And here you have this great saint who suffered this grace. You know, and, and I say that because it's a grace to participate in the wounds of Christ with the stigmata. There are very few saints who have been given this grace. And yet what we know about it, 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 it is physically painful. You know, think of St. Paul, this thorn in my side is a grace. Well, this is, this is a grace too. And yet do we endure with joy or do we endure affliction with misery? So let's follow that example today and be joyful. We are going to stop to get you one more check of the weather here on Roadmap to Heaven, followed by the Daily Dose of Encouragement. And then I'll be back with you to wrap up. But let's continue to pray today through the intercession of St. Francis of Assisi and those other great Franciscans, St. Anthony, St. Padre Pio, and St. Maximilian Kolbe. We ask for their intercession in all we do. And, by the way, you know, the Franciscans have their own particular devotion to the rosary, so very fitting that we celebrate the founder of the Franciscans during this month of October. We're going to take a break on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned for more. Well, yesterday, Patty Schneier told us that we're going to be spending the entire week talking about Saints of October here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. And I just don't know how we're going to limit it to one week. So I'm going to stop talking now and say, Patty, who do you have for us on this Tuesday? Well, today I want us to look at St. Francis Borgia. His feast day is October 10th. And I have two quotes from him, and I love them both. He said, who could ever soften this heart of mine but you alone, O Lord? And I think that's so beautiful. I think of my heart and heart. Who could ever soften this heart of mine but you alone, O Lord? And then his second quote, he said, We must make our way toward eternity, never regarding what men think of us or our actions, studying only to please God. Great quote, great advice from St. Francis Borgia. So maybe today, make this simple prayer. This is what I like to do. I take these prayers of the saints, and then I just try to make them very simple, and I try to say them over and over throughout my day. So today, maybe you just want to say, soften my heart, O Lord, soften my heart. Where do you need to let the Lord soften your heart? Enter into the School of the Saints with St. Francis Borgia today, and just repeat over and over, soften my heart, O Lord, Soften my heart. What a wonderful prayer for us. Soften my heart. Patty, this has been another great encouragement. I cannot wait until tomorrow. I was laughing to myself uh, during the break there because I was thinking about the, uh, the question on 
Padre Pio and, and the things he had to endure and this whole idea of don't gripe and, and don't complain and endure affliction and, and suffering with joy. And it reminded me of a conversation I had with uh, Ray Garendi, Dr. Ray, while we were down in Phoenix last week. And I was asking him, you know, how do, how do you suggest people cope with the times that we're in? And we were actually talking about St. Padre Pio's great phrase, pray, hope, and don't worry. And he stopped me and he said, Adam, you know, we keep talking about the times we live in as if they are the worst times in the history of humanity. And, you know, sure, they're not always pleasant, but we don't have the plague. You know, how many people died of the plague and there was no modern medicine? How many people died of infection because we didn't have antibiotics until very recent in human history, you know, you, you got your hand cut on something or your leg cut on something uh, accidental or on purpose and you got an infection and, and you died. People died during childbirth. Uh, people didn't even know that they were going to die and they were dead. There was famine. There's been war. And how many wars have happened? He asked this question. How many wars have happened that we didn't know about because there wasn't the World Wide Web or television or even radio at that point? There could have been battles between villages neighboring communities during the Middle Ages that no one else would have known about because word never traveled outside of those communities. And, you know, do you do you wake up and walk out your front door and have the uh, next neighborhood coming over to lay siege to your neighborhood? No. And uh, so, uh, you know, not to dismiss the times we live in by any means, but just to remind us that Times aren't all that bad, and we should keep that in mind, and we should follow that advice of Padre Pio to pray, hope, and don't worry, because even when times are bad, are you God? Are you going to be able to change it? You know, change what's in your capability to change, but accept what you can't change and ask for God to work in it and to work through it, because he can and he will, but we have to respond to him. He doesn't force us. We have to respond to him. It was a great reminder for me from Dr. Ray. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. St. Francis of Assisi, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's been good to be with you today. Don't forget to check out the podcast. Tomorrow, Crystalina Everett's going to be on the show. Until then, for Covenant Network, this has been Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to pray your rosary today.